right, we're back on One True Podcast, talking Baylor and Big 12 college football alongside me, as always, right over there on my screen. I don't know if that's how it shows up for everyone else, but uh, it's John Werner. Johnny, how are you doing this morning? Great, Bryce. Always a pleasure. (laughs) In the age of uh, Corona, we don't always do this in person anymore, but... uh, (laughs) And our special guest is Joseph Dorte from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, been there 25 years now. Can you believe that, Joseph? I mean, pretty incredible. Yeah, we're getting old, but I'll give you a little bit more enthusiastic hello. How you doing? Good, good. <laughs> love it. I love it. And Joseph, did, did, did you get did you get Joseph on here? Because the 25 years is the last time Baylor and Houston have played. You know what? That's that's a good point. Well played. I, I joined well the Chronicle. Played. Right at the breakup. <laughs> no doubt. Big Big 12 uh, formed, and, and, uh, and Joseph got to the Chronicle and was like, I'm just in time for all these other conferences. <laughs> I, jo- I joined Rice, Houston, SMU, and ECU. I didn't get an invitation, so I had to go Man. look for something else. Has, has Houston been uh, – they have been in multiple conferences in that time too, haven't they? Yeah, they started uh, Conference USA, and then they went to the American back in, uh, gosh, I think it was 2013, 2012. Yeah, okay. Well, um, you know, here we are uh, 25 years later. Baylor and Houston are playing. It's kind of remarkable just how this game all came together so quickly with uh, Baylor's game, with Louisiana Tech getting canceled. Houston's game with Memphis getting canceled, and then obviously both of them finding each other. Uh, um, you know, the the ADs getting together and making that happen. Um, is this, in your guys' opinion, is this sort of best-case scenario? I mean, the fact that, that they were able to put this game together? Go ahead, Joseph. Uh, absolutely. You know, we look at this and – I think Dana Hogerson hit it on the, the nail on the head this week. Uh, these series, even one game, are usually planned sometimes decades in advance, uh, much less a, a, a three-game, which, which, which this is essentially. Uh, but absolutely best case, uh, neither team wanted to go another week without playing. They need to play. Conference starts for Baylor uh, against Kansas next week. Uh, Houston uh, has another non-conference game, but uh, I think it's a combination of – Wanting just to keep the kind of the kids' interest, maybe their motivation in it. But, you know, if you're going to pick a school to play, you try to make it as convenient as possible. And, you know, it took COVID to bring these two teams together after 25 years. Yeah. Johnny? Yeah. It's just amazing how fast it came together on Saturday. Uh, Obviously, Mac Rhodes' ties to Houston as a former AD helped a lot. Um, but, but yeah, but it's just hard to believe it's been 25 years because, you know, Baylor's played every other former Southwest conference team many times. And, uh, and now this is just happening and I'm glad they scheduled a three game series because I think these are games that, that need to be played. 
Yeah, it's kind of weird that they didn't at least maybe play in a bowl game or, or something, you know. I mean, and obviously there was a long stretch there where Baylor didn't play in any bowl games, but uh, <laughs> that probably That's had something to do with that as well. Uh, but, no, I'm with you guys, and I got a chance to talk to Mac Rhodes yesterday for a column and uh, and just get sort of the backstory of how, how all this came together, at least from Baylor's perspective. And, um and it was just crazy. I mean, you know, he called it a mad dash. I mean, uh, and like you said, Joseph, I mean, usually these things are planned out a decade, you know, eight to ten years in advance. I mean, it's just crazy uh, that they were able to really do this on the fly. And I, I, I do think it's, uh, you know, it's a great game for the fans. Um, you know, if if there are some Houston fans coming up, you're talking about, you know, a three-hour drive and – um, and then eventually when they do have that home and home series in the future, you know, it'll be a, a good one. And hopefully um, by then we might be back to knock on wood here, uh, a little something closer to normal in terms of fan attendance and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe coronavirus will be a, a thing of the past. Let's hope so. Hey Bryce, I wanted to add that uh, I talked to coach Taff, Grant Taff yesterday and he was just thrilled that they're going to play this game. And like everybody else, he's amazed how fast they got it together. But uh, he, he's wanted to see this for a long time. Of course, he, he coached against Houston more than any other Baylor coach, 17 games. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people are excited. Yeah. Bryce, I found it interesting in your column. It, I think it goes – it drives the point of how much these schools, at least on Houston's end, wanted to play – uh, you know, they had that option in there. They could have taken a larger payout or, or they could have taken the, the series. And they went with the series because they, I mean, they, they tried everything. When Tom Herman left off to Texas, they asked the Longhorns if they would play a football game and a men's basketball game for a lesser uh, buyout number. And Texas said no. So mm-hmm. Houston has been trying to get these type of games on their schedule now A&M will be the only team they have not played since the breakup of the conference. But it just kind of shows you that it wasn't just all about money. They want to play the Power Five, and they've done pretty well in recent years against those schools. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and uh, this is a completely different topic, but, uh, you know, when, when it looked like Houston might be a potential addition to the Big 12, uh, John and I, we had many conversations about that, and we were like, yes, bring, yeah, bring them in. Bring them in, because uh, to me it was a uh, an athletic program that offered a lot. Now, a, a lot of the complaints or the criticisms that you would hear would be, well, we already we already own the Houston market, you know, or, or that kind of thing. I mean, and, and so they, there's a lot of different things they look at than just, oh, wow, this, this is a, a good school with a lot of – uh, you know, old tradition that, you know, rivalries and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, but we're not going to rehash the big, old big 12. Uh, so, you know, Dana Holgerson now is in year two here at Q- at Houston. Dave Aranda starting his first year in the middle of a pandemic. You know, good luck with that. Um, is that an advantage – in your mind for Houston? You know, I think what happens is, uh, you know, Houston got in nine spring practices, which I believe is, is among the most of any, of any FBS school. 
but they, you know, they said it, it, they think it's kind of an advantage for Baylor because while they know the staff, they don't have a lot on, on film to gauge, you know, what exactly, what pieces Baylor's going to bring in from the different places, the fedora angle, what Dave will bring in defensively. So, uh, you look at it, they both had the same amount of time to prepare, but there's a lot more film based off of what Dana Holgerson and his team did last year. But if you're watching that film, I don't know how much you keep it on because there wasn't a lot of good to come out of last year. But I, but I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence of which way this goes, but I think the advantage on this, in my opinion, goes to Baylor. Yeah, Bryce, I would tend to agree with that. Um, playing at home, um, of course, there will only be 11,000 fans there, but they're still playing at home. And, uh, yeah, uh, Houston just doesn't know quite what to expect from, from Baylor. And, uh, you know, they uh, obviously Larry Fedora is going to have a very fast-paced offense, probably more fast-paced than, uh, than Matt Rule had last year. Uh, defense, it's going to be uh, some three-man fronts, some four-man fronts. I think you'll see more, probably a, more four-man fronts than last year. Um, but, but yeah, Baylor's kind of a mystery what they're going to throw out there right now. And, uh, and, you know, and, uh, Co coach Aranda, he, uh, he's got a little more information on Houston. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dave Aranda referenced that in his press conference on Monday. I'm trying to remember exactly how he described it, John. I don't, or I think both of you guys were on that press conference. Uh, something like he called it our chief advantage or something, <laughs> essentially the fact that, you know, if, you, if you're if you researching, you know, 2020 Baylor, you've got to go through a lot of different kinds of film to scout them. I mean, you got to look at uh, Matt Rule's Baylor, which is not going to be the same as Dave Aranda's Baylor, but at least you get a, a sense of some of the same players. Uh, and then – you know, you'd have to look at LSU defensive film and, and North Carolina offensive film. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different uh, components there. Um, but that said, uh, you know, this is not just, um, you know, a, a cakewalk game for me in Baylor's sense. I mean, um, you know, I know Houston did not have the greatest year uh, in the first year under Holgerson, but – I feel like that second year is kind of when you start to build it a little bit. So it'll be real interesting. Um, brings me to my next question. Which team do you feel like needs a win more? Well, I'm going to go with Baylor on that one. Uh, Aranda would like to get off to a good start. And, uh, you know, especially after everything they've gone through just to play a game. Uh, but, you know, on the other hand, Houston wants to improve from last season, and this would be a, a huge win for them. So uh, it's probably a bit of a toss-up there, but I'm going to say Aranda just because it's his debut game. I think when you certainly look at, I guess, the perception out there, people will look, well, it's Baylor, it's a power five. They're coming off of a great year. Baylor would have the most to lose out of this. Nobody wants to lose to a group of five. Of course, you could ask Kansas State. And you could ask Iowa State how it feels and what they felt like uh, last week in their losses. But you know, at the same time, Houston, uh, they won't say it publicly, but there's a lot of bitterness, not towards Baylor, but the Big 12 because of how things went. Uh, you know, they, they, put, they, put in a lot of, they put in a lot of money, a lot of resources. And, you know, the three of us, we were in those rooms, whether it was in Irving or outside 
league office doors and you're sitting there and you've got Memphis and Cincinnati and South Florida and UCF uh, and BYU. I mean, you, it just, it was, it was a show. And I think uh, whether it's the, the breakup of the Southwest conference or then that sort of uh, flirtation, uh, you know, Houston wants to prove something. You should, you should have seen how they reacted when they beat Oklahoma a few years ago. I mean, it, it was like they had won the national championship. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, John, I think there's cases for both sides. But you're Baylor, you're at home, it's the start of a new era, and uh, you don't want to lose to, you know, a group of five, but Houston's a little bit of the top tier of that group of five. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, obviously, you know, both teams want to win. That's, that's you know, uh, understandable and, and um, obvious. But, um, yeah, obviously Baylor playing at home, uh, being the, the power five, conference there's probably a little bit more pressure on the bears but um as i said to me this is uh this is a this is a tough game for baylor and dave aranda right off the bat um and you know as far as what i expect i mean you know we haven't had time to to think about it as much as you know as uh, you know latech or, or some of these other opponents that baylor might be playing um, I really do look at this as a, as a toss-up kind of game. I mean, you know, I guess that's my next question for you guys. How do you kind of see the game playing out? Well, that's a good question. Uh, just because uh, Baylor is such a mystery at this point. Um, gosh, uh, I, I think it's going to be kind of a low-scoring game, really, because, uh, you know, Dave Aranda's emphasis is on defense. I think it'll probably take a little bit to get the kinks worked out on offense for Baylor. Although apparently Charlie Burroughs really, really loves what uh, Larry Fedora does on offense. He's uh, he's getting the, he's releasing the ball quicker. Uh, they think they're going to get better protection for him, which they need because, you know, he got knocked out of three of his last four games last year. Mm. So, uh, but, but yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a very tight game. I, Baylor's, I believe, is a seven-point favorite, but uh, I think it could be a le- lesser margin than that. Well, Bryce, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of what, what John just said. I, I think that you're going to see both – I think Houston on the first play is going to try to air it out deep. I mean, I, if I'm them, considering what Baylor has coming back on defense, you know, take your shots uh, and see what happens. You know, Houston has the quarterback in place now. They've got a star receiver in Marquez Stevenson, and then they've, they've added back Keith Corbin, who redshirted with Garrett King last year. He had 10 touchdowns two years ago when he played a full season. So they've got the, the pieces in place. Baylor fans will remember Kyle Porter was in the Longhorn backfield uh, a few years ago and, and had some, some decent uh, moments there. So they've got everything in place. And then you look at the other, other side of it, you know, with Charlie Brewer, and I know he's got some pieces that he's he's lost, but he, he's got some guys coming back. You know, Houston's defense was really bad last year, and, and I think you test them. They got an entirely new look in the secondary, and that defensive front from Houston, I mean, they, they've got numbers, but they're, they're, they're all inexperienced. So I, I think from Baylor's standpoint and what the offensive line went through last year, that'll be something that they'll go on. But I think in the end, it is a tight game, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, both teams are in the 30s. Okay. Well, uh, who knows? We'll all find out on Saturday. But um, as far as uh, the, the 
college football scene overall, uh, last week was a really rough start for the Big 12. <laughs> um, you know, the conference had three teams lose. Uh, the Sun Belt really, uh, as Kirk Bowles said in the column, which I really like, uh, the Big 12 got Sun Belted. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good line. Uh, I'm jealous of that line. But um, <laughs> so – just uh, and I'll be really interested to see your perspective on this, Joseph, as as one who you know is outside of the conference. You know, I mean, did this hurt the Big Twelve? You know, from an optics standpoint, because I mean, obviously Oklahoma and Texas they didn't lose, but the conference took a hit as a you know overall. So um, you know, could that hurt the Big Twelve in the long run when we start putting? CFP stuff together. Well, I can say this with absolute certainty that whatever the Big 12 did last week or moving forward, the Big 10 has the top spot for in terms of how things are handled this year and <laughs> PR PR hits. No, no one will. You could your rest. Everybody could lose in the Big 12, and I don't think anybody will care compared <laughs> to what's going on with the Big 10. But yeah. but you're but you're right. Just you know, you look at those those schools that lost. Uh, and they're not, that's not supposed to happen. And, you know, I've, I've been in covered games that involve some of the, the group of five that have gone in and stunned the, the, the heavy favorites. And, you know, it's their bowl game. It's their college football playoff. You know, I, I found it interesting that, you know, you looked at the Associated Press poll this weekend. When was the last time you saw like a Louisiana or, you know, <laughs> Appalachian State's been in there for a while. But, you know, you just look at some of the teams that are getting votes. Uh, so they, you know, while they're immediately excluded at the beginning of the year uh, for consideration in the 14 playoff, um, I think these are the games that they go in and, and they win. And, you know, it certainly, it certainly is kind of a black mark for the Big 12. But, you know, in the age of COVID this year, I don't think anybody at the end is going to remember who beat who. It's just that, one, they either played college football or, you know, or something else came out of this. So it's it, it's certainly interesting, but, I, you know, I think the Big 12 will be okay. Yeah, Bryce, uh, it was an awful weekend, to put it mildly. But I think you can expect a lot of wackiness this year. <laughs> uh, because, I mean, you don't really know, like, who's practicing, you know, uh, you know what, what practices are really like, who's missing practices. Uh, it's just not going to be, you know, a normal year. It already hasn't been already. So, uh yeah, I think you're going to see a, a lot of upsets across the board and uh, just crazy things happen. And, uh, you know, guys missing games, you know, a bunch of guys missing games. And uh, I think it's just kind of a kind of foreshadowing how wacky this year is going to be. Yeah, I think the official motto of 2020 is uh, better than nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, 11,000 fans. Well, that's better than nothing, you know. I mean, uh, and – you know, here we have college football. Uh, it's not exactly um, what we're accustomed to, you know, in terms of atmosphere, in terms of maybe the sharpness of play. Um, you know, no spring football for a lot of these teams. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a little ragged. I think it's going to be, uh, as as you both alluded to, I think it's going to be surprising sometimes, you know. And, and uh, you know, it's not – it hasn't always been easy to predict 
Um, well, I say that, you know, we've kind of gotten used to Alabama versus Clemson, but, but, uh, from an overall standpoint, you know, there's always upsets. There could be more upsets this year. I think you're right about that. Um, yeah, but it, it does not help, you know, when the, um, when, when you have three teams losing to schools that you're favored against and that you're playing at home, I mean, you know, there's, there's no really good way to spin that. Um, one of our traditions here on One True Podcast, as John knows, is to always um, wrap up. And uh, when we have a special guest, we, uh, we like to ask them, because we, we're sports writers, we like to eat. So we call this <laughs> Culinary Corner. And uh, Joseph, we were talking a little bit beforehand, but um, yeah, so it's been a while since you've been to Waco. Um, and so John and I will give you a couple of our favorite places in Waco to, to hit if, it, you know, but uh, why don't you, uh, you know, give us maybe two or three of your favorite places in Houston. Maybe we've been to them, maybe we haven't, but uh, so John, start off with, you know, what, What's, uh, you know, a couple of your favorite places to go eat in Waco? Well, uh, I like Double R hamburgers a lot. Oh, Double Although R. Although I, I will say, uh, order takeout during COVID because that place is really cramped. Yeah, that place is small. <laughs> there is not a lot of seating in there. So. Yeah, uh, but it's a great hamburger. Uh, gosh, as far as, uh, gosh, another one. Uh, I like... Well, I know Nienfes is not local, but I love it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, I could bathe in Nienfes salsa, so that's uh, I love that stuff. But right. uh, yeah, that's more of a chain. Uh, so I'll give you a couple. There's uh, there's Schmaltz's, which is a, a sandwich shop that um, you know, kind of like Schlotsky's, but better. Uh, you know, they have the, this bread that's really, really good. And it's a, it's a local place that everybody loves. Um, and then barbecue Waco, uh, John, I think will agree with this for a long time. Waco was not the greatest barbecue barbecue town. And I think we've made some strides in that area. There've been some places mm-hmm. that have opened up, you know, within the last, um, what five years johnny i mean yeah you know, yeah or less even yeah the little red wagon which is a very small place only open just a uh, right near the weekend um and uh, that guy trained under aaron franklin the franklin's barbecue guy so mm-hmm. pretty good stuff um and then guess barbecue is another uh, one that uh, started as a food truck um, and then, um, now they've got a brick and mortar location on, the on Franklin Avenue. And, uh, that's some pretty good, pretty good eating, isn't it, Johnny? Oh gosh. That to me, that's the best barbecue in town. Now. Yeah. Guest barbecue is really, really good. So, yeah. uh, that, those are a couple places, <clears throat> Joseph, we have places that we go to when we do come to Houston, but what are, maybe we missing out on. Well, you know, as we started talking, you, you guys kind of triggered the, the taste bud memories, <laughs> I remember after press conferences that we would do at uh, Floyd Casey, uh, I would go, you know, off of 35 there in Waco, there's a, kind of that roundabout mm-hmm. on one of the, there's a little like a comfort food type of place that health I would go camp? to. What's that? Is it health camp? No, that would, that would, that would have stuck with me, but it's right there off of um, that, whatever that main road is going to Floyd Casey, but on the opposite side of, 
a 35, you kind of had to do the little roundabout. It's probably not there anymore, but uh, I remember doing that. Uh, but if you come to Houston and we're talking barbecue, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased because this place offers a little bit of both of the best, both the best worlds. Uh, Killen's Barbecue has a, a Pearland location, but they've also moved into the city, into the, in the, to the metro area. And on top of the great barbecue they have, I think at Texas Monthly, they were top five mm-hmm. uh, in last year. But they've also started a Mexican food portion of the menu. Oh, so they wow. mix in the, the, the barbecue with some enchiladas. You know, they've got the fajitas. They've got this great queso that mm-hmm. they, they toss in some of their meat, some of their brisket. So wow. um, the lines can get a little can get a little. Can rough. we reschedule this game? And <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring I'll bring some with me. Uh, we, uh, yeah. but you know that that's that's probably that's one of the standards here in Houston. You know, there's other little kind of I don't want to. Houston's a lot of chains. I mean, you look at it. You know, unless unless the trip's gonna foot the bill for some for some serious fine dining, you're probably gonna uh, run into some barbecue or or Mexican food. And you you know, Bryce knows you can find pretty much any little taqueria or something on, on most corners in Houston. Uh, and, and you could bathe in as much ninfa uh, salsa as you want, but killings <laughs> would be, killings would be my spot. I mean, you, you, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. And uh, it is a place that has been on that Texas monthly list uh, a number of times and, and very high up, like you, like you said. So yeah, Johnny, I think we're going to have to check out killings. Now we, we both have been to the the pit room in Houston several times. We're a big fan of that. That's a really good barbecue place too. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, I, I've seen where Houston has like risen up in um, the rankings of, you know, the best food cities, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, ethnic type restaurants, right. you know, you have every option available. So that's, that's cool. And, uh, you know, maybe you know, maybe we can get more games with uh, with Houston and and. Uh, I think we should all talk to the ads, you know, Baylor and uh, Houston, and have that ne- the next game in the series next year. There we Houston. go. Yeah, I like it. I like. Well, you know, Mac Mac could set up Houston. You could get Rice in the same season, and then throw in HBU as a Houston Baptist as a non conference. <laughs> You know, you probably get two out of three on the road there. So yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, sounds good. Well, uh, that's it, Joseph. Thanks so much for for coming on with us. And uh, you coming up on Saturday? I'll be there a little bit earlier, uh, probably the day before. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, sounds good. That doesn't mix real well for getting up early. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a very good call. But. Uh, you might check out a couple of those places we mentioned, uh, you know, if you're, and if you have time. And uh, certainly we'll see you in the press box and, you know, give you the, the air fist bump or whatever we have to do, elbow. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, thanks so much, man. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks, Joseph.